talent approved. Yeah. Ready to go. Mm-hmm. Who's who is in charge of our schedule these days? We need to talk to them because I know it is, sounds like me, but yeah, <laughs> no, it's me too. <laughs> exactly. I feel like I feel like Hello, I'm working this too is, hard. <laughs> <laughs> We all are. This is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Today is Thursday, March 21st. This is the Producers Happy Hour, a daily podcast with two producers on opposite coasts reaching out to our filmmaking community because we still are trying to figure out what's happening with this pandemic. How is it affecting you and your life and your work? Your stories let us know that we're not alone. It's important for us to keep sharing our experiences and ideas. So email us, or better yet, record a one- to two-minute voice memo. You can do it right on your smartphone and send that to ProducersHappyHour at gmail.com. Just follow the instructions on our website, ProducersHappyHour.com. And please share this show with your mother-in-law, all your friends, (laughs) your work colleagues. We want these stories to be heard. They're human, and we strongly feel that we need to be here for each other. We do. And there's a lot going on. But you know what we're going to do today, Christian, since we're getting a little bit busy, right? Yes. We're going to jump into our little time machine. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning of the year before any of this happened. Yes, this is pre-COVID. We were brand new podcasting, and we were on the hunt for what it means to be a good producer. Yeah. So we're going to go all the way back to what was going to be episode two The guest on that show was Emily Plunkett Fleischer, who we actually had back on a post-COVID episode. She taught us to put away even our computer cable and wipe down our workstation. Yes. But Emily, she's been an industry professional for years. She worked her way from PA to producer and worked with some of the biggest names in the business. And now she's in-house at Verizon using those skills in their production department. And we get some valuable insight into that world. Yes. And it's funny, you get to listen to how the show originally was going to be made, which is very different than uh, It's definitely what a different when tone. We, it has a different tone, and mm-hmm. we also were brand new. We didn't know what we were doing, but we were trying to make something cool and fun, and then of course, the, the, the whole world went to, went to a handbasket. But Christian, before we jump in, we probably should chat a little bit about the fact that Gavin Newsom yesterday held a YouTube town hall in which he said that the state will issue guidelines next Monday that would allow film and television production to start up in some counties in the state, perhaps even as soon as next week. However, Los Angeles County continues to represent one of the largest shares of cases. So L.A. County might not be part of this plan, but at least he's coming out with a plan. Variety has an article about it. I'll put it in the show notes. But also IndieWire, just earlier this morning, they released some notes of this 30-page document that mm, they got in their hands. Cliff notes. A little cliff notes. So <laughs> I haven't had time to read it yet. We, we just hopped on right when I got it. But uh, that's on IndieWire. It's called Hollywood Safety White Paper. Film, TV, back to work. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. It, it looks like some stuff's happening. Yeah, I mean, that's welcome news for a lot of people. And um, we'll just have to dissect it and see what it really means. I do like all the discussions because it, it'll get us ready to go. Exactly. And this white paper was constructed with representatives from all the major guilds, IATSE, DGA, SAG-AFTRA, and the studios via the Association of Movie Producers and TV Producers. So this is what we've been hoping for, Christian. This is kind of an industry-wide labor management 
Safety Task Force. I'm going to dive right in the moment that I can, for sure. Yeah, when we have a break in our day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and because this show was recorded a while ago, the credits might be a little different, so we want to make sure you all know that this show was edited and co-produced by Rob Bloomkey. Artwork and logo design by Christopher Daniels. And our music was composed by Kyle Puccia. All right, let's jump on back to January 2020 and let's take a listen. You go ahead. You're yeah. the expert. <laughs> yeah. Episode two. How's it? Sound great. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Producers Happy Hour, the podcast where two seasoned producers on opposite coasts have an honest discussion over drinks about what it means to be a good producer. It's more than just numbers on a spreadsheet. It's more than just hiring crew and renting gear. Join us on our continuing search for greater learning with host Sister Christian in New York and Lawrence T. Lewis in Los Angeles. Hey, Christian. We're back for episode two, and yes. you're still in New York. I'm still what in a New treat. York. It's a treat <laughs> because we get to sit and have drinks together in person, face-to-face while chatting about our jobs. Exactly. <laughs> but only the positive thing. And I'm in New York because I just wrapped a, a doozy yeah. of a job. Oh, uh, was it experiential? It they was say? experiential. Mm-hmm, Seems mm-hmm. to be what I do the most of now. I, yes. Uh, but it was fun. It was for Klarna, which is a Swedish bank that is actually a shopping app where you oh. can purchase items from big luxury stores and it goes on a payment plan with no interest, no additional fees. What? Yeah. That's, that sounds like game changing. It is game changing. Mm-hmm. And they're a really crazy brand that has a really strong identity and uh, it's Swedish. So they're, they're, it's a little bit kooky Are they and fun. Cool? They're cool. <laughs> they're uber cool. Yeah. And uh, we did we did a uh, pop-up dog group. Well, they called it a pop-up dog grooming salon <laughs> here in New York City where dog and dog owner got a little mini makeover to look more like each other for Halloween. How how fun was that? It was so much fun. <laughs> I mean, three days of being surrounded by cute dogs. I mean, I mean, you can't go wrong. How can you go wrong, especially in New York City? Yeah. There's a ton of cute dogs. You just wrapped something, too. It was huge. Can you talk um, about it? Well, suffice it to say that I filmed three weddings in one day for a commercial that will be out soon. Uh, logistically, it was large yeah. to try to find a venue in New York City. Yeah. Uh that offered three different looks for a wedding. Wow. I know. Where did you shoot? We uh wound up being on Staten Island. And those I've heard of, of it. those of you who who um currently work and live in the New York area understand what a big stretch it was for us to go to Staten Island. Wow. Yes. It went off without a hitch. It was a very good job. Good. Yes. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. Three brides, three weddings, all done. Sounds ideal. <laughs> <laughs> um, Christian, what are you drinking today? Um, today I'm having a rosé, uh, sparkling, of course, very dry. It's delicious. Uh, I myself am having an IPA. Oh, yeah. Mm, that's kind of your go-to. It kind of is. Yeah. I've resisted for a long time, but now, I'm not, now <laughs> I like IPAs. What can I say? Okay, well, it's time to get on with the episode. But just a reminder for people who missed episode one, This show is about us going on a journey to find out what it takes and what it means to be a good producer. Right. And this week, we have a special guest, Emily Plunkett Fleischer. She's amazing. Her interview is great. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. She worked her way up from PA to producer and has worked with some of the biggest names in the business. Huge. Big. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
if you do commercials, you know who we're yeah, talking she's about. she's no joke. Exactly. And now she's in-house at Verizon using those skills as a production consultant and will share some valuable insight into her world. Yes. I mean, I can't tell you how good the information is because it, it just, uh, you know, coming from doing this for as long as mm-hmm. we have, you think that you may... You know, slip into knowing everything. Nope. Nope. No, no, we learned, and that's what we're here <laughs> exactly, to do. Exactly. That's what we're learn. here to do. Christian, it's time for some crew shout outs. Yes. Who is I'm, who's I'm your I'm very excited. Out? So, a few months ago, um, I had a job where uh, we had gone into the weekend after the AC prepped two cameras, and I got a call at 11 a.m. on Saturday morning that the director asked to add a third camera. And a 3D rig so that we could shoot two focal lengths at the same time. Oh. Yes. And um, we were filming on Sunday with a very big celebrity. Mm. So we had from 11 a.m. on Saturday morning until Sunday morning to find a third camera in a very busy New York. And I can tell you that Sarah Curlin at TCS really pulled through for us. Wow. She opened early. She had her technician come in. Um, it was, uh, they pulled out all the stops to make it happen. And I really appreciate that. That is awesome. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. And that's kind of magic that happens when you've got this network of people that always have your back because things like this come up, things like this happen. And if you treat people well and you've got good relationships, you can kind of solve almost any problem. Yes. After speaking to the director and going through exactly why he needed it, in the end, he still wanted it and mm-hmm. you have to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yes, relationships that have been built often pay off. Well, cheers to Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, my shout out is to an amazing production designer here in New York City. Her name is Susan Linz. I love her. You've worked with her. <laughs> She's. I actually... <laughs> We'd met a long time ago, but reintroduced, you reintroduced me right. to her. And uh, like I said, she she was my production designer on the Klarna Pop-Up Salon <laughs> that we had in the Meatpacking District here in New York City. And she is just solid. such a solid, talented woman with so much taste. And that's where this job needed because I saw the images coming in from the director and from the ad agency, the references of what they wanted to put together instantly. I knew it was a Susan job because that was that's her taste level. That is what she does and what she can put together in the time frame that we had. Her name written all over it. And she put together the most beautiful, I don't know what to call it, set, pet store, salon. It was it was experience. phenomenal. Experience. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing with experiential. You're not it's not a set. You're not building mm-hmm. a set. You're building a world because your people are in it. They're sitting in it. They're touching it. They're using things in it. A lot of different considerations go into building an experiential arena. Mm-hmm. And Susan has that experience and went above and beyond on this job. And That's fantastic. So cheers to Susan Lins. Cheers to Susan. Um, I To segue uh, slightly into uh, art department, mm-hmm. it is occasionally uh, we, ha- we struggle with finding somebody perfect for the job. Yeah. Always open to suggestions. Always. Please email us. Yes. <laughs> Please send us your crew suggestions. We'd For love to hear them. good, solid art department. Yes. That would be lovely. And we're going to put Sarah at TCS and Susan Lynn's information in our show notes in case anybody ever needs to get in touch with them. Yes, please reach out. Hey, Christian. Hey, Lawrence. Do you know what, do you know what time it is? 
I do. It is time for tip of the day. I know. I love this part. And I can tell you why, because I have learned so much over the years um, and it comes from experience. Um, this one's a big one that I would love to pass on to you guys. Please. Um, so uh, I was a solid PM at the time, uh, really cranking out those union jobs. And I uh, uh, took a, I was on a tech scout and uh, we went through it. Um, then came the shoot day and the VTR person turned to me and said, you know, Christian, it would have been good to know that we, it would have been good to know that we were shooting um, in a two floor walk up building. Oh. Yes. And I realized that as um, the first AD did not tell him. Right. Locations, which we had both, did not tell him. Uh, but it had fallen on me. I'm the one who's going to hear it. Right. Right. Yes. And so communication mm -hmm. um, is important here because you realize that your sound person and your VTR person and your first AC do not come on the tech scout. Right. So any information that you can be thinking of during your tech scout to pass along to them is important. It only helps them do their job better for you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> communication. <laughs> communication. And you can't just assume that the information is going to get disseminated because like you said, it could have been the first AD. It could have been your production manager. It could have been your location manager. But in the end, the buck stops with you. And the, because <laughs> you're the one that pays them. Right. And so, <laughs> so following up on all those little details and making sure that information is communicated is, uh, is, a, is vital. Is vital. Mm -hmm. Wow. Good tip. Well, mine is also about communication, which is the topic of the show um <laughs> do is, tell is uh following up in writing always uh after you have a long yes. conversation <laughs> with somebody follow up in writing working out issues working out issues mm -hmm. and especially for producer when you're dealing with an ad agency that's the most important time to follow up in writing but there's other times when that comes into play too whether it's you're talking to a vendor or mm -hmm. your stylist or or your production designer conversations can get lost. Detail can get lost. And, and also, you know, it, it, it just serves you well to have that written document to say, you know, here, not to, not to call anyone out, but just to back up what you said, put it on paper. And it gives, also helps give people an executable list or a task list. Exactly. You know? So uh, I find that to be really helpful and uh, it really kind of closes the loop on a lot of loose ends. Exactly. I think that um, once you've worked out a solution to a problem too, just to recap, to make sure that your understanding of the solution matches their understanding of the solution, because unfortunately I've had that happen as well. Yeah. You talk something <laughs> out, you think you guys are on the same page. But, I mean, that happens in life. Yeah, exactly. I mean. <laughs> but you're not necessarily. So to right. follow up with written language. Exactly. Can help uh, stop any of those miscommunications from happening. Exactly. Communication. Great. Good tips. Good tips. Pro tip. All right. So as you may have guessed, today's topic is about communication. And why being a good communicator is imperative to being a good producer. Yes. And we talk about that a lot with our interview with Emily. She really demonstrates how important it is. And having an open, honest environment with your crew, they trust you. Right. And you have hired them uh, to do their job as the key to their department or uh, as the expert in their field. And if you don't trust them or communicate with them, you're only 
it's only to your own detriment as a producer. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You have to trust the experts that you have hired. Surround (laughs) yourself with smart people and let them do their jobs. Doesn't mean let go of the ship, but... No. uh, (laughs) (laughs) But it also means that you don't have to micromanage. Exactly. Exactly. And if you've provided your team with appropriate information, they will be able to take that and do their job properly. So let's get on with the interview. Yes. Okay. Emily Plunkett Fleischer joined Verizon in 2017 as manager of broadcast production on their marketing and advertising sourcing team. Uh, prior to joining Verizon, she was an accomplished and energetic producer of commercials and web-based content for over 20 years. As a woman previously working in the production community and now on the client side using her years of experience, she is inspired to teach and mentor people as she believes it is continued growth and learning is a must. Emily, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. So we just want to start. If you can just tell us a little bit about where you are today, what you're doing career-wise, and a little bit about the journey of how you got to where you are now. Sure. So um, at this point, I'm uh, on staff, as they say, at Verizon as a broadcast production consultant. I'm also called a subject matter expert, which is kind of appropriate since Mm. I've been doing this. I've been in production for over 20 years. What I basically do is I support marketing. We do a lot of work, production work here at Verizon, and I support marketing with making good decisions, help them save money, but also come from a place of knowledge when they're making decisions. So that's where I am. It's a great job. So give us an overview of like your day-to-day. What do you do on a daily basis? On a daily basis, I... Um, I work with our different agency partners because uh, we have a number of them uh, on the different accounts on wireless and BIOS on visible. You have so many. We have a lot of different products and I work with all the marketing people and the agency partners McCann and everybody else. And I sort of, I consider myself a liaison between the two of them. So I call it my, just so you know, conversations with the agencies were, um, <laughs> So just so I know, this is what I know, uh, and I find out what's going on because jobs pivot and change all the time, and mm-hmm. um, I'm, I keep up to date with all the jobs, and then I look at all the budgets. I don't beat people up about PAs, but I do look at them, and I say, mm, <laughs> I'm not going to spend $7,500 a day on a camera, you know, give me a break, right. and we're going to spend $4,500 a day, or whatever it is, it's just using my knowledge of it. And I look at the bids, I look at overages, uh, we collect data so that, you know, in the future we can come up with different ways of doing it, smarter ways of doing it. And also like, for example, uh, today I uh, put together a, a presentation that I'm presenting to the marketing teams uh, on the 18th coming up um, on diversity and inclusion uh, mm-hmm. and bringing in the, uh, Made in New York and street lights and eco sets to teach them about diversity, inclusion, sustainability, and, and trying to put it in as a mandate for all of our with our agency partners that on every job a PA from street lights or New York or made in New York is hired and that eco sets is used. And That's great. I just did a job for Biscuit and what they're putting into their budgets, they're they're taking it upon themselves to put in a little bit of carbon offsetting in their budgets by having production put in the bid costs of, you know, planting a tree in whatever area we're shooting in or doing something to that's that. That's a great effect. idea. So, 
yeah, it's great to hear that that uh, Verizon is kind of making that a part of their platform yeah, as well. Uh, yeah, it's something that I I don't know I taught at Made in New York. I taught a training class years ago, and I don't know I'm, I'm passionate about mentoring and, and teaching people, so I'm excited about it. No, I think um, anytime we are in a position to hire um, outside of the, what used to be the norm and um, when you can hire women or people of color, I think it's important that you consider it. Exactly. And I also think that it's really important to, um, and this is what I've always sort of based my producing who I am, uh, mentoring. It's always about teaching and mentoring and it's not about being competitive and it's about helping the next generation know what to do and how to do it properly and teaching them. You know, yeah, exactly. That's, exactly. That's, teaching that's them. what this podcast is all about. <laughs> that's why, that's why we got along so well. Girl. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like everyone's like yeah. all about the free, the free to bid. But, uh, you know, unless you train people, women to be directors, who you, tra- who you doing? How the do they know they can? I know. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so that's that. So that's me. That's what I'm doing today. That's great. And talking and, to you. And talking to us, which we appreciate. Same for us, though. We also feel that, you know, we need to continue learning as producers exactly. in order to grow with the changing landscape of this crazy business we do. Exactly. So now you're on the client side, I right? Am. So you're at Verizon, but you still interact with producers. I'm assuming mostly agency producers? Mostly. Well, mostly my agency partners I'm dealing with. But mm-hmm. um, because I do come from such a strong production background, like, for example, I was on a set on Friday and, you know, I know the AD, the hair and makeup person, the producer, <laughs> you know, the PAs, they're like, M. So it's, it's, um, it's really good. And then also some of the production companies do feel comfortable enough with me after two years to approach me a little bit on the side and mm-hmm. say, how are we going to make this work? We're, you know, we're between a rock and a hard place. And I try to come up with solutions just knowing right. maybe some inside information or something. So your vast amounts of knowledge, you're using that to help agency producers and agency partners yeah. execute what they need to execute yep. with these newfangled budgets we're getting and, <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. and all the new, all the new different types of media that we're producing. And so you're kind of uh, oh, yeah. helping guide them through the process. Is that right? That is exactly it. And it's also at the same time, I'm trying to teach myself this process because, you know, when you're deliverables, you have 26 deliverables for a 30 second spot because it's not just broadcast anymore. It's Snapchat, it's Hulu, it's YouTube, it's Facebook. And, you know, and that's a lot. And, you know, what's the ratio factor there? And I don't know. I just feel like you can always learn. There's always something more to learn. You might not be proficient in loading a camera anymore. Remember the old or a projector, <laughs> but, um, oh yeah, but you know, you need to become proficient in what the different ratio factors that you're going to need for deliverables. So, exactly. and that'll, like, and that'll change tomorrow again. And it's, it will yeah. like uh pre-rolls are the new thing. Uh, Instagram exactly. stories, exactly. you know, exactly. <laughs> Going to, you know, I went to NAB here in New York recently just cause I was like, well, I don't have to travel to Vegas, but I'll just go over there. I want to see what the new camera is or any new technology was. Cause I don't like to not know what it is. I like to yeah. know. So, yeah, no, that's important. Yeah, yeah, I think it makes you better at your job. So let's take your current job out of the mix. Mm-hmm. And so say when you were still making your way up the chain, when would you feel most supported by your producer? When they communicated. Right. When you felt like there was an open communication and you could go to them and not fear of repercussion for a mistake or 
you know, because we all make mistakes, mm-hmm. and that's how you learn. Yeah. But that you, <laughs> but when you, when I could go to them and say, "Oh my God, all hell just broke loose. What am I going to do?" and be supported, be like, "All right, let's trust." Go. Right, exactly. And a, mm-hmm. a person, I've always been a solution-driven person, not mm-hmm. a problem-driven person. <laughs> so I always responded to that person, to that producer who was the producer or who was a solution-driven person. Yes. Yeah, I can honestly remember the first time I decided not to work for somebody because they weren't the communication just wasn't there. Oh, yeah. Which was important to me. And then it it also taught me to communicate better with my team below me. Exactly. Exactly. And every crew member. Yes. Like, hey, VTR guy, guess what? We're a second floor walk up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I remember, like, yeah. I would have brought my. The comment was, I would have brought my son if I knew this. I yeah, didn't or, go on the tech scout. Yeah, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, we're shooting at night. Wouldn't that have not been nice to know somebody put you on hold? You know, it's just communication. I think those are the best producers, and the worst ones are the ones that leave skid marks all over your body. But <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all been there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Now, you were a producer for many years to mm-hmm. some really big name directors, right? Do you yeah. want to talk a little bit about that part of your career? Oh, I loved producing. I mean, I felt like, I mean, I think Christian knows it's innately I'm kind of a mother. That's sort of a, a role I, I love. And I always felt like, you know, by being a producer and it was you were solving problems, you know, because that's what it is finding that solution, solving the problem, taking care of everybody making sure everybody was good. And I loved it. I loved it. The bigger the job, the better. But I even loved the little jobs that were like, that you could really get your hands dirty. Though I didn't love carrying ups and up flights of stairs or hauling it onto a truck where you're like, I've done this. But <laughs> I'm past this, but you're I'm never not, really past uh, it as a you're pre- never, you're never. No, you're, no, you always, you always get your hands dirty. But I, I love doing those jobs. And I love, I mean, it was great because when I first started producing and being in this business even I was a big union commercial gal I did big jobs and in New York mm-hmm. and I was in New York gal and I loved it and then that work sort of changed and it went non-union yeah. and it was mm-hmm. morphing and reinventing yourself and working with sometimes not such great directors uh, or or a junior <laughs> or not right. experienced like somebody I always, who needs your guidance exactly which I felt like was great and if they were open to it terrific uh, if they weren't it'd be like a little frustrating but I don't know I just I think it was always great to make something at the end of the day when you went home you felt like you were part of the process and that you did something you didn't just move something from point A to point B you were all every day you know it was always the same formula. You know, every job's the same in a way, but every job's different. You know what right. I mean? So that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when you were producing, from from what I've learned about you prepping for the show, you you produced for some really big names like Marcus Nispel. Mark, yeah. And then, <laughs> and, I, I did a, and then I did a whole bunch of stuff for Victoria's Secret, which was always fun. Mm-hmm. And then, uh-huh. what else did I do? I can't remember what I did anymore, Christian Kendrick. I mean, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast. I so. know, right? I know. Did I... I had a piece of rice. I can't toast. remember what I did about half an hour ago. I don't know what you guys are talking about. You're the, one ahead of me. So this was this was, and I hate saying the phrase back in the day, but this was yeah, a moment when commercial production had at the height, big at personalities, the, mm-hmm. big directors, 
big fat budgets to work with exactly. and you were doing big complicated shoots. Oh, yeah. 500 page rap books. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. You know, bringing a plane in, you know, the fuselage into, you know, Silver Cup from LA and then mm-hmm. being in the middle of Times Square with James Gandolfini for American Airlines. I mean, that's fun. That's fun. I remember that job. That was some fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that job. That was a great job. That was a great job. And uh, that was money. That was some cash. That was some real cash. But yeah, yeah, no, those were awesome jobs because, you know, and everyone thought it was so glamorous. And it wasn't really that glamorous, but it was, I loved the people I worked with. I loved the directors I worked with. And I loved the respect I got. And I loved, the crews I worked with, they were awesome. They knew so good. And so production has changed so drastically from those times, but essentially what a producer does the is, same is the same. Just maybe it was magnified in a different way and you were dealing with, uh, you know, back then directors were, not that they're not now, but those directors were kings exactly. of the mm-hmm. industry. And and you oh, were yeah. their producing partner. You oh, were yeah. the person right next to them. So And there were so, perks that came along with that because, the, uh, you know... Yeah, right, all sorts of course. Of great things, and you commanded respect in the production industry, you know. So exactly. I mean, I still think you do. I think a good producer still does command respect, but like they have to, otherwise they're not that good. But, but yeah, you you know those budgets were a million dollars, and now they're ten thousand dollars. But you still yeah, have to do yeah, the exactly. job. You still have to do do the job and do it correctly. And since you've seen all that change, do you feel? And I know we already talked about communication being an important aspect of being a producer. Do you think there are other things that have changed about, I know you're not out there freelance producing now, but do you think there is any sort of shift in what fundamentally makes a good producer from those big heydays of the bloated budgets to what's happening now? Do you see any sort of shift in what's required out of a producer to to be effective these days? Oh, I definitely think that they have to be more creative in their solutions. They have to know how to make things work on a smaller budget. So, and it could be somebody... A lot of producers I worked with back in the day, as they say, you know, where, when there was money, a lot of them never morphed. Christian Kendrick morphed. We know how to morph. We know how to change into something else and go and, and you find the crews and everything else and you find your new space. The ones who couldn't morph aren't in the business anymore. They're selling real estate. But um, and I'm not saying that as a criticism. It's just that's the reality. They couldn't. You they know, couldn't work with less. Yeah, you couldn't be a producer, AD, and production manager all at the same time. And, you know, because that's what it takes. I think the really good producers now really, you know, still have the same work ethic, really are collaborative. But I think that they have to be more solution driven and know how to be even more creative with uh, technology. And how do you do this shooting this on an iPhone and make it look good? And, and give the quality, you know, <laughs> things like that. And I think they need to have a lot of tech savvy. Or at least a good PA mm-hmm. around who's really mm-hmm. tech savvy. Yeah. Somebody around that they can sort of pick their brain. That is all true. And you just gave us a really great idea for tip of the day. <laughs> That's going to be our yeah. tip of the day for this episode. Get, real, into, real get into real estate. Yeah, if you, <laughs> you can't do multiple things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you can't exactly. do multiple things for less money. Well, I do know that a lot of the producers that I used to work with are, uh, like you said, they're no longer around because they could not change. They could not do it with less. Yes. And you have to do it with so much less these days, less personnel. Yes. 
Um, less money, uh, less experience less from time. other people. And yeah. less time. Less time. Yeah. And uh, it's it's hard to strike that balance between the experience level that you are working with versus your own experience level and not uh, domineering every situation you're in. Exactly. You know, it's one thing, though, I will say this, and you know, I usually don't like to focus on the negative, but I recently was on a set and the line producer, I don't know if they were green or just not a ton of experience, or, <laughs> but it was at one point I felt like he slash she, I want to get that detail, but was just not running the job. Do you know what I mean? And that it was getting a little, a director was going a little rogue. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. somebody's got to rein this person in. Do you know what I mean? And that's, that was sort of, it's mm-hmm. funny when you see that confidence level is there that, or is lacking and that it is not there and that they just are not a good producer and it's hard to put your finger on why, but you know what's happening is not the right thing. So not to be negative. It's hard not Come to be on. negative these days. It is. And that's uh-huh. what we're trying to do. Is, um, <laughs> Turn that frown upside down. No. You missed the party that I had last weekend, but there was several of so us sorry. there. That, <laughs> totally. You're a good one. <laughs> um, but we could all go into my basement and talk about the bad experiences we had. What we'd like to do is talk about the good. And yeah. so, yes. Yeah. How to continue learning and growing and changing as the yeah. industry changes. And so once you get a few of those experience, well, so here's a question for you. So looking back on that experience that you had with that producer, was there anything different that you could, not that, you know, you would be to blame or anything, but is there anything different that you would have done to communicate differently to help them with their job? That's a convoluted question. Um, no, but if there was something that I could have helped aid in, because, yes. um, you know, that's what I do feel like that's my role. To be a, the liaison, I felt like my marketing client was, which when you were on a staff, my job, uh, the marketing department, they're my clients. So I felt my marketing client was not being heard. Ah, And that's what the big problem was. And I spoke to my agency producer and my agency producer went to the line producer. And I don't think where the breakdown was was between the line producer and the director. And the director was going, eh, I'm going to keep going and doing what I want, ah. which was not the way to go. No. No. And and that line producer <laughs> not <at all. laughs> could not could not rein in the rogue director. We got great stuff in the end, but we needed to be done within an hour before that. You know what I mean? So that's, yeah. So could I have changed that situation? No. Because it would have been totally out of place for me to say something. Because mm-hmm. I have to go through mm-hmm. the protocol and the different levels to get there. Well, I'd have to say in my expert opinion, I don't know if you agree, Lawrence, or not, but I would chalk that up to green. Yes. <laughs> yes. Inexperienced. As, as I mm-hmm. said earlier, yeah. slightly green. So, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yep. As you said, uh, prognosis. Yeah. Green. <laughs> green. Green. And not green with envy. So... <laughs> <laughs> So now, in what you're doing now in your position at Verizon, with a vast amount of producing experience and, and a vast amount of knowledge you have from your career, how do you see yourself as technically you're in a role where you're supporting your producing partners, your agency partners, your 
agency producers executing their needs Mm -hmm. for their campaigns in today's very challenging media landscape, you know, just as we've talked about with budgets and and schedules and all these challenges that we have in in the way Mm -hmm. we have to produce today. How do you see your role as, you know, effectively supporting your partners in this in this landscape? It's really funny. We used to do a ton of big work. We still do big jobs, right? Yeah. But a lot of what we've been doing in the last six months is sort of much smaller scale financially. The budgets are much smaller. They're a quick turnaround. It's a different. Instead of an A-list director, it's a B or C list director. <laughs> hopefully, no, hopefully, no one gets insulted by that. But they, no. but it gives them the opportunity to get the work, which is great. Exactly. And, um, so we all start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So those jobs I find actually are more challenging than the larger ones, which I we've set a protocol in place already. Like, listen, we're doing this every other month. This is what we're going to do. Let's set up a way to make it easy for everybody. These are there's a lot of handholding. There's a lot of handholding with the agency producer, with communication saying, we haven't gotten this information back. Can you help me get this information? A lot of conversation with the stakeholders to make sure that they're aware that we know that this job is so small that we need to make this happen right away. And, you know, you know, to the point of like, should we hire a script supervisor for $650? Yes, you should. Yes, you should hire that person. You know, it, it, it really is coming down to the, nickel and dimes where the bigger jobs are like okay these the money's so tight and the time is so tight there's a lot of conversation and there are a lot of questions that's where i see my role is is really answering those questions and letting them know that it's going to be okay and managing their expectations of what the production is going to be like the footage will be good but the you know it's going to be a little bit different than if you go to an A-list director or one of those other, one of our other shoots. This is down and dirty and quick, you know, and um, Verizon is not a down and dirty and quick company. No. And so it's, it's, it's interesting to watch how that's happening because there's so much content being produced. I do feel that um, on, I would say just about every job I've had in the last three years, if I had an additional Eight to fifteen thousand dollars, which is nothing when you think about somebody's marketing budget. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, eight to fifteen thousand dollars that the job would have gone seamless. Yeah. Instead of late nights of continual discussing, like you mm-hmm. said, of like how to work out a problem. And, and you know what? I and I think that it, you know it's sort of my job to say to people, and I do listen. You got to spend this, and it's also my job to say to the agencies, you're saying this amount of money, they're not going to be able to swallow that. They'll be able to swallow this number and you can still do it for that job. It's four thousand dollars mm-hmm. less, but that's where my liaison role is. It's like, you want this to get signed off tonight? Make it this. <laughs> I love it. <that. laughs> should, ev- should every counterpart at the client be um, as savvy as you are? <laughs> yeah. Can you can you come with me when I buy my next like, car? Sure. Of course. <laughs> Thank you. So, I'm also called um, Gangster Barbie because I come across <laughs> as so sweet and with a ponytail, blah, blah, blah. And then then all of a sudden it's like... <laughs> gangster Barbie. I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell us the best experience you've had with a producer ever. Any kind of any, producer. Line any, producer, yeah, agency span producer. Span your career. I think it would be Marlene Kowalik. 
And I have to tell you, and I know this is going to sound really bizarre. We were on this crazy, whoa, huge job and we were down in Florida and the company was nuts and, and everything. And Marlene always was so calm, cool and collected. You know, she never got rattled. She'd be like, it's all good. You know, things like that. But I remember on that job, she's like, will you do this? And I was the production supervisor. And she's like, will you do this job with me? It's going to be nuts. Like, with you, of course, I'll go anywhere. We went to Florida and it is a nutty job. And we're in our production suite, you know, in the hotel in Coconut Grove. And all I could see was, and we were like in this right in this mall sort of, but across the, the way from, you could see from our windows was this restaurant that just, everyone's having fun and drinking beers and eating burgers and loud and fun and I was like what is that place and she's like it's Hooters Emily I'm like we have to go there I'm like I really <laughs> want to go there because you're working really hard and you're stuck in this hotel suite and I remember she's like like nobody will go with me we go with me to Hooters and so the two of us <laughs> went to Hooters and I think that we brought like the agency producer or the director or somebody with us it was the best time ever because <laughs> we needed to let our hair down and have fun yeah. and have some beers. Yeah. And like the girls who were our waitresses were super nice. It's not like everybody was judging us. I'm like, why are you women in here? But it was, I was like, I just need to be in that bar. Everybody's having fun. I need to be there. It's Hooters. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny? That's like one of my favorite memories. No, um, I think it's when you have a team that's together, that's close enough to be able to do something you needed to do it and you went out and did it. I can tell you plenty of times Christian and I did something similar, <laughs> but um, just the trust that you would have in like a partner, because I always look at when I hire a production manager as my partner, Yes, because they do equally as hard work as I, and I've done their job. So I know what they're going through, mm -hmm. but uh, it sounds like you guys were partners yeah. and I think that's part of what makes a really good producer yeah. in my mind. Well, and it's like you, you know, when you stepped in for me when Scott got sick and you and Christian stepped right up there and you took over for me without thinking, you know, and that's what friendship is. And that's, you know, those are the friendships that you have in this business, hopefully. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and loyalty. Friendships. And there's a certain magic between, you know, people of like us in the, in the industry, when you connect with somebody and you feel connected to them on a, business level, but also a friendship level. And it, there's something magic in that. Exactly. Exactly. You know, my, my friendships are invaluable to me. I like think that um, right? we gravitate towards the same like-minded people too in the industry. Like our circle is um, very much like this as well. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Agreed. So Here's my I, life. I, I feel like, yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe um, in a, a nice little blurb, like if you were teaching somebody, this is our sum up. What do you believe it takes for someone to be an effective producer in today's media landscape? Now, you've kind of already answered that throughout your, well, all of your answers kind of touched on that. But if you had to sum it up in a short little concise, you know, blurb, what would it be? I think that a, a really, in today's landscape, to be a good producer, you have to have, your skill set needs to include not only technical knowledge, the ability to pivot quickly, but also a person who's compassion and looks beyond right that that moment that is in control and gets that this is a commercial 
or this is a piece of content and it's not brain surgery and respect the people that you work with. When you do all of those things and you communicate, you'll be a great producer. You know. I love Very well said. Very well said. Very well said. <laughs> You're bringing Christian to tears. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's important to it's, it's important to me to uh, always be respectful. Oh, and totally. And also to learn as much as I can and to never make anybody feel bad for not knowing something because, mm-hmm. you know, we've all been there by yeah. producers. Yeah. <laughs> So um, to make sure that you are su- supportive, as you said, and communicative, it's uh, those are really important skills. Not it's everyone really has them. Important. No, it's, and it's really important. Emily, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Hey, thanks for chatting with me and giving me this opportunity. No, uh, you're a fantastic guest. <laughs> yes, we really appreciate your insight. And it's a unique insight because you've, you've had this uh, great long career and now you're on the client side, you know, using those skills, using those skills in a very different way. And which sounds it was like great it's to benefiting hear. everybody. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I knew it would. Tra- I knew agency. they would translate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Just had to figure out how to translate my skill set. And I did. There you go. And somebody pays my do. and somebody pays my insurance. It's awesome. <laughs> that, Sign the, me up. That's the real goal. <laughs> Emily, thank you so much. Thank you Have a great so day, guys. Much. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for this episode, but we want to hear from you. Yep. Any questions, comments, or any ideas on how to be a better communicator, which makes you a better producer, send us an email. Hit us up at producershappyhour at gmail.com, or you can find all of our contact info at producershappyhour.com. And as always, a big shout out to Kyle Puccia, who made our intro, outro music. He is a commercial music composer. And listen to it. It sounds great. It's awesome. Composed. (laughs) Composed. (laughs) It's very composed. And again, Tom Tenney at Radio Free Brooklyn is our engineer today, and uh, the lovely studio space has been provided by them for this episode. Lawrence. How do people get a hold of you personally? I am always at indelible-arts.com or for voiceover, voiceoflawrence.com. Voiceoflawrence.com is amazing. <laughs> Christian, where are you? I'm at sisterchristianproduces.com. Great. More guests to come, more drinks to be drunk. What else? What else can we ask for? Nothing. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Bye. Join us next week for another edition of Producers Happy Hour with your host, Sister Christian, and Lawrence T. Lewis. 